Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. It's Baldry's Beat. Morning, Keith. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. So will it be a happy Monday tonight at the Vancouver Park Board meeting here? Hmm. This yeah, is going to be interesting. There's a whole roster of former uh, Parks Board commissioners who I guess are going to show up. And Save our Parks Board. Yeah, so this That's is turning <laughs> into a little more of a political mess than I think um, many had anticipated. So uh, the, to get rid of the Parks Board requires an amendment to the Vancouver Charter. So it needs legislation. House doesn't sit... Provincial legislation. House doesn't sit until uh, February. Yeah. No bill in front of the House until mid-February. Yeah. Uh, so so this that, is not something they can do by a stroke of the pen. They can't do it by regulation. No, so you've got the opponents of this move or this request by Ken Sim two months to organize yeah. a campaign uh, to get them to back off. I've talked to a number of cabinet ministers who say, fine, you want to do that? Sure, we've got no problem. Okay. Could turn into a different situation, though. If suddenly over two months, this if you if the opponents of the supporters of the parks board whip up enough opposition to this to make it a political headache, then I think the NDP government's faced with a different situation. Which again, they've had their their hands full with Surrey when it comes to stepping into municipal requests for doing something or not doing something, yeah. and now which is a much bigger issue than the Vancouver Parks Board. But the Vancouver Parks Board could turn into a, a bit of a political headache for the NDP government. Okay, let's have a listen to one of the unhappy Park Board Commissioners. So this is Brennan Bastiavansky. So this is a member of the ABC political party, Ken Sim's own political party. Okay, and he's now faced with the prospect of losing his job as a Park Board Commissioner. And he says Sim basically double-crossed him on this. So let's have a listen. Here he is. He looked me in the eye and and, and he, he made a promise that I'd be able to finish my term as a commissioner. That he had he had uh, walked back that whole thing about uh, abolishing the park board, and I, you know what, I believed him, and I, I, f- I feel like an idiot for for believing him. Uh, like it's just unconscionable that the uh, that they would do that, and so I feel really betrayed. And I know a lot of people in the city feel that way as well. Okay, well he feels like an idiot, but is there anything you can do about it now? I wonder. No, not him, but it has exposed a potential real... This is a, a brand-new political party, ABC, yeah. and suddenly they've got a pretty serious internal uh, family problem here. Yeah. And we'll see how they can handle that going forward. I mean, at the end of the day, city council is far more important than the parks board in terms of how that party's created. But nevertheless, they've created a, a internal problem for themselves. Yeah. But this is, again, this has all the earmarks of turning in what looked like maybe a benign situation, turning into a real messy thing. And then embroiling the government, which has no part of this, but is part of it because they have to pass the legislation to appease. And they want to keep that strong relationship with Ken Sim. That's the other factor here is, you know, Ken Sim is to the right of the NDP, obviously, but the NDP government realizes that Ken Sim is a very good ally at the local level. He's probably their, one of their strongest backers. He shows up at a, at a moment's notice at any government announcement if they, if they need him there. I wonder if Ken Sim misplayed this. Like when you talked about the timeline here, you need provincial legislation to make this happen. The House is not in session for two months. So should he have kept his powder dry here and mm-hmm. maybe announced this in the new year so they could do it quickly? Instead, now you've got, to, you've got this interregnum period where you've got to wait for this thing to build momentum and turn into a more bitter fight. Yeah, no. You'd think he'd want to rip the Band-Aid off real quickly on this thing. and Should know. have had his news conference in late January, yeah. or early February. Yeah. Um, but now, no, this gives two months for the opponents of him to fill this vacuum that exists yeah. on this issue, and it's starting tonight. Okay, who do you think wins this now? What, what's going to happen? 
Tough to read, right? Tough to read. I mean, yeah. as I've said before, I cut I think my... they'll shut it down. The public I, wants them to shut it I down. I cut my journalistic teeth covering the Parks Board way yeah. back when and thought, what, this, what is the point of this Parks Board? Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Yeah, the public doesn't. There's not huge support. There's very low turnout at municipal elections anyways, and then the Parks Board is sort of an aberration next to council. So I don't think there's a huge public support for it. However... A uh, political mess like this can come sometimes become bigger yeah. uh, a problem than uh, is reflected by voter turnout. Okay, let's take a look at what's going on in Ottawa here. The Speaker of the House of Commons oh. on the hot seat here, Greg Fergus. So this is the new guy. Like the the previous the speaker was the guy who quit because of the Nazi yeah. in the in the House of Commons. So he quit. This guy comes in. He's supposed to be clean everything up and do a better job. Two months into it, he's groveling in his apologies. So what he did here was he recorded a video tribute for the leader of the Ontario Liberal Party that was then played at some Liberal Party event in Ontario. Yeah. And the guy's dressed in, like, his speaker robes in his office. <laughs> and, you know, he's supposed to be, quote-unquote, neutral or objective, Very right? So that's the problem. Tone deaf, to say the least. Yeah. Speakers are supposed to be impartial, of course, they're members of a party. They are politicians. He's a liberal MP. Yeah, right? so people forget that. They, they're they not brought in off the street yeah. with no connections to anyone. They are yeah. representative of a party, but they're supposed to put that aside when they're in official speaker duties. Yeah. And the fact he's wearing speaker robes is a f- official speaker duty. Yeah. So this gave an opening for the Conservatives demanding his resignation, um, but it also mirrors the fact that I think Parliament right now is completely broken down with filibusters, no um, no bipartisanship at all in that chamber. Everyone's at each other's throats uh, yeah. because the election is not around the corner, but it's approaching. Yeah. And there's a sense, you look at the polls, there's a sense there's going to be a change in government. The, the Conservatives are full of wind in their sails. You know, some polls have a 19-point lead. You know, we're looking at potential 1984, 1993 wipeout scenarios here. Yeah. Um, so the liberals are floundering. The conservatives smell blood, and that roils the waters. And then the speaker does something stupid. Yeah, like then this. this guy this guy comes along, does a face plant here. So let's listen to him. This is him speaking earlier this morning. Okay, this is Greg Fergus, House of Commons speaker. Listen, listen to this groveling apology here. I am sorry. I recorded a video message to John Fraser, a longtime friend. Despite assurances to the contrary, it was shown at a public partisan gathering. Most importantly, regardless of, regardless of it being aired privately or publicly, I should never have recorded it. I apologize unreservedly. I know I messed up, and I won't do it again. Well, you won't do it again. I wonder if they're still friends. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. Uh, that sounds like a guy fighting for his job there now. Yeah, like, I, I, this may be enough to placate everyone. I'm not sure the Conservatives need to. This is a hill to die on in terms yeah. of fighting. I mean, they've they've got this filibuster, uh, which I don't think people pay attention to what's going on in the House of Commons. So I, I think they just want to make their point and move on. Okay. Yeah, the filibuster was this all night debate over the carbon tax, and the and the Conservatives mo- moved a whole ton of. Um, amendments and motions yeah. to just string the whole thing up. Do you think that that kind of tactic uh, sways public opinion at all? No, no. no. Oh. I don't think public pays attention to what the, the minutia of the House of Commons or the BC Legislature. We just had the legislature wrap last week with a lot of tempers frayed here because the government invoked closure. Yeah. 
cutting off debate to end the session. It's a big deal for the people who are involved in that. Yeah. Understandably so. I had some a lot of sympathy for the opposition wanting to debate more on on the housing legislation. Uh, but the government, you know, they, there's a calendar that they want to keep to, too. And it doesn't matter if it's NDP, liberal, conservative. They all do the same thing, which is uh, at some point um, limit or cut off debate. But the public, I just don't think, pays attention to that. Okay, let's have a listen to the federal conservative leader here, Pierre Polyev here. And here he is speaking uh, in the last few days uh, at the end of the parliamentary session. And you hear him talk here about Trudeau heading home for Christmas and wondering if he might go for the proverbial walk in the snow like his dad did. In other words, could Justin Trudeau resign as the Liberal leader and Prime Minister? Here's Polyev. Mr. Trudeau, you're going to have to come to terms with something. Over the Christmas period, whether through a walk in the snow or while you're sitting next to a warm fire, think about this reality. There will be a carbon tax election. I will win the carbon tax election, and whether you like it or not, I will axe the tax. <laughs> it's so dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it's not a big tax federally. It's yeah. a big tax here in B.C., but yeah. we've had it for so long. But, you know, it's a good old-fashioned conservative issue. Yes. A tax revolt. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, again, everything's going Polyev's way right now. Oh, I'm not yeah. sure he'd want Trudeau to quit. Mm. You know, yeah. I'm sure he, he, wants, wants, he wants to push that. He wants narrative. him to stick around so he can kick, or, kick Trudeau around. Trudeau, you know, when I gather, he tells people he thinks he, he is a good campaigner, you know, yeah. uh, thinks he can beat Polyev in, in a, you know, a campaign. Yeah. But boy, the gap between the two is so big right now. And the liberals are, seem to be in free fall. So Polyev, it's, it's but, a great it's a great point, though, you just made, because a lot of times you'll hear these politicians say, resign, Trudeau, you should resign. But then secretly, they don't want him to resign. Please don't go. Please don't no, go. Yeah, they like him right where he is. <laughs> now, there's no there's no automatic successor to Trudeau. I mean, everybody's got their pollsters have put different names in front of people. No one's gelling with the, with the public, yeah. whether it's Mark Carney yeah. or, you know, Christian Freeland, Sean Fraser, uh, Champagne. It just there's no obvious successor. Yeah. But that's not to say if Trudeau were to step down that a successor could not step in and suddenly become much more popular on a roll. because they're not Trudeau. Sure. I mean, I think the Trudeau brand is the thing that's driving the, bringing the liberal brand down. We're right to your phone calls here. Michelle and Langley. Hi, Michelle. Go ahead. Hey, yes, I was just listening to your show, and uh, I think Trudeau should absolutely stay the course. Uh, I think this is just um, a little blip in the pan at the moment uh, with the polling numbers, because uh, I've looked at the conservative policy documents. Yeah, Polyev was far too extreme, and I think he's not palatable for the most people. And we have to remember, we don't vote for the um, uh, prime minister. We vote for MP. So we have to ask ourselves, is he enough for most people to change their votes? And although I agree most people didn't pay attention to the marathon that happened on Friday, they voted against some bills that are going to be very, very hard to explain at election time because they're both they're going to say either they were willing to put these programs at risk uh, in order to make a political stunt, or they're going to have to say they had to depend on the Liberals and the NDP to pass these programs to make sure they get through. Okay. Thank you, Michelle. Not sure the Trudeau unpopularity is a blip, though. It's a hell of a blip. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's when you've got a 19-point deficit in the polls. Well, and what, the worrisome thing for the Liberals, it was a three-point 
first of all, it was statistical dead heat just a, few, a few number of months ago. Yeah. Then it was a three-point gap. Then it was a nine-point gap. Then it was a 12-point gap. Then a 16-point. Now yeah. one pulls up to 19. So that reflects public attitude is shifting significantly. Yeah. It's not a, it, you know, if it was a three-point gap, that would be a blip. This is very problematic for the liberals. I don't see an easy way out, if there's a way out. Gary on Bowen Island. Hi, Gary. Go ahead. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Justin sure. should definitely step down. And it's the whole Liberal Party. We had, uh, he's ruined the country. But when we, when his old man was in power and Pierre was in, and he had Turner as a finance minister, every time the Liberals get in, they run the country into the ground. We're so far in debt. Paul Martin then got in and helped straighten it out. At least, but he was a Liberal. But uh, And then the Strucker's protest thing there. Anybody that donated money to freeze your bank accounts because you don't like Justin should own the Liberals? That's unbelievable. Uh, I cannot believe that they could even get away with that. They can freeze your bank account because you supported somebody because you don't like the uh, guy. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks. that's a classic old anti-Pierre Trudeau caller. Yeah, there. Sure. John Turner's finance minister, going back almost 60 years. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, Canada's a different place than it was back then. But the Trudeau brand for some people in Canada is just a, a non-starter. Because right. Well, I mean, this caller obviously would never vote for Trudeau. No. And there's a lot of people who feel that way. I mean, there's a lot of animosity for him. So Polyev has a big chunk of that base that is, there's the, no way they're going to change their, their, their vote it's not, for it's anything else. It's not the else. all-time anti-Trudeau people that Trudeau has to worry about. I mean, they're gone. They're yeah. never going to spawn. It's, it's the older millennial vote, which pollsters have picked up on. And mm-hmm. by that, we're talking people, millennials are not university students. Right now, the top age of the millennial demographic is 42 years old. So it's primarily men in their late 30s, early 40s who voted for Trudeau when he first got elected who have now turned against him. Yeah. And that's a that's a, a demographic that is now gone for yeah. the liberals. And unless he can get that back, it's hard to see how he hangs on. The and, and there's the old saying in politics, it's the economy stupid. And this economy is not working for a lot of people. No, you know, it's, so. it's stuck in neutral. It's yeah. not in a recession, but it's borderline. Yeah. Daniel and Duncan. Hi, Daniel. Go ahead. Good morning. Yeah, with regards to the the, the parks board uh, dilemma in in Vancouver, it occurs to me that the natural way to get out of this would be to hold a referendum, like they should have done earlier with the Surrey thing. Uh, they keep downloading this stuff onto the provincial government, but I think what the uh, Sim should do is hold a referendum within the next year, allow the current uh, elected board to run out its term, and then if you know, and if the, if the people of Vancouver, which I think they will, vote to you know, get rid of the parks board, then he's fulfilled his obligation. He's fulfilled, these people have fulfilled the obligation for their, you know, their elected term. And he's fulfilled his promise to this ABC guy that he looked in the eye and said, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going you know, yeah, to yeah. get rid of you. I think there's a way through this, but sometimes I wonder if these guys sit up at night trying to make problems for themselves. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, finishing out the term, I think, may be the compromise here because just turfing an elected body Without any, you could have a rational. simultaneous referendum in the next election. Yep, on you it, do that, right? and maybe that's what I think. The NDP government's going to be looking for a compromise here. Mm. At first, I thought there'd be a no-brainer. Yeah, sure, we'll pass whatever you want, Mayor Sim. Now, I think it could turn into a, a political firestorm. That the best way out is simply to let them run their term. We'll see what happens tonight. Keith, thanks a lot.